Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. All of you here, if you're visiting with us uh, online, it's good to uh, have you with us. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Perfect for Psalm 128 this morning as we continue our series in the Psalms of Ascent, sung by pilgrims. So we join them as pilgrim people as we draw strength and insight, truth, purpose from the Psalms they sang then and have sung throughout the years. Last week, we were in Psalm 127. This week, we're in Psalm 128. Psalm 128 completes Psalm 127. If Psalm 127 is like a dinner, Psalm 128 is like the perfect dessert. Dinner and dessert go together. So, let me read Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat of the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, you shall, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see children's children. Peace be upon Israel. In the letter from home, I told you that I was excited about this message and that this message was all about fear. Some of you heard me say that. But after reading it, you may be thinking, John, uh, there's nothing here about fear except the words, the fear of the Lord. Exactly. See, wherever there is the fear of the Lord, all other fears go away. Wherever the fear of the Lord exists, other fears cannot gain entrance. And in verses 2 and 3, we see our personal life painted in just a few careful brush strokes. Our livelihood, our household, food, family, children. Here's a picture of personal blessing, personal flourishing. Do you know what the word blessing means? And by the way, blessing is used three times, verse 1, 2, and 4, all in conjunction, all directly connected to the fear of the Lord. Blessing means happy. Who doesn't want to be happy? 
Who doesn't want to be lighthearted? Who doesn't want to have hope for the future? A bright outlook, as we say. Who doesn't want to have energy? You know, that energy to set your life on something that counts and make it matter. Because you have hope. Because you still think things matter. Fear takes all of that away. Fear takes it all away. Sucks it right out of your life. Robs you of hope. Robs you of happiness. Why are these things mentioned in verses 2 and 3? I think they represent that which we value most. I don't want to hear the psalmist talk about stuff that doesn't matter to me. But you start talking about my wife and my children and my livelihood and my work, what I pour my life into. See, all that's in view in verses 2 and 3. And it matters because that's what we value most in life. And what matters most to us in life is where we're threatened the most. Where we're threatened the most, fear reigns. You're not afraid of things happening on the other side of the world. Our hearts may be touched by the suffering of others, but doesn't get in our way because it's not us. Fear makes it personal because it touches things that matter to us. And that's what's in view here in verses 2 and 3. So there's a really important message here about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is our security system our Brinks or our ADT security system, five-star rating. Oswald Chambers said it's the most natural thing in the world to be scared and the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts when we do not get into panics. In other words, he thinks that ought to be kind of a natural thing from time to time if you don't know the Lord. And if you're not in a panic or you're not constantly the slave of fear, the pawn of fear, then it may be that we ought to appreciate the grace of God that is already at work in our lives in ways that we sometimes don't even recognize. And you know what? We sometimes don't even recognize the work of fear in our lives. We mislabel it. We represent it as something other than it is. But fear is, is really a pervasive thing. But then Oswald Chambers says the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. What does it mean to fear the Lord? I mean, (laughs) 
if you're like me, I wrestled with that for a number of years, especially when I was uh, uh, younger and greener in the faith and less and less familiar with the Bible than I am today. Fear didn't seem like the right word to me, like faith would work a lot better. You know, put your faith in the Lord. But fear is the more powerful word. It is the word that it is because fear is so operative in our lives. And we are often cowing to fear. When we need to be cowing in fear to the Lord. In other words, we need to shift our allegiance from the fears that we often don't recognize but are lording over us in our lives to different degrees and at different frequencies but can all be traced to fear. Fear of the Lord is the best place to put all of your loyalties, all of your hopes, all of your trust. What does fear of the Lord mean? We also get insight into it in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Listen again to what we looked at last week. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord guards the city, all our extensive efforts, extra effort, erecting and protecting Despite all that, even rising early and working late, despite all of those efforts, it's futile. It's in vain. In fact, the psalmist says, speaking to you and me, he says, you eat the bread of anxious toil. Or you could say the bread of painful toil. It's almost bitter bread because it takes so much of us to get it into our mouths. What drives that person who fears everything but the Lord when the Lord is the one who grants beloved sleep? So the point is, life is futile apart from the Lord. But then, turning to Psalm 128, verses 1 and 2, the people who fear the Lord, what is the result? What is the outcome? He tells us, he says in verse 1, Everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, the bread of toil, and you shall be blessed and it will be well with you. Because you why? Because you'll be content. You'll be happy. You'll know happiness in the Lord. The condition is putting your fear in the Lord. The word fear compels us. The word word faith 
is a response, but fear compels. Faith is a response, fear compels. We're being compelled by fear, one fear or another. The psalmist is saying, the Old Testament is saying, we who love the Lord, who know the Lord, we who call ourselves the people of God, the children of the Lord, we not only have faith in him, but he is a compelling influence in our lives. We fear him. We fear him. When you are afraid, nothing else matters. One of the best uh, illustrations I have to share is uh, an evening years ago before I'd met Shelley or any of you. I was a young man. I was probably 18 at the time. And I was at a house on the corner of the streets Leonard and Tully in Modesto. And I was there to be a part of a party in which there would be drug use and other delights, I guess. When all of a sudden we were waiting for someone to come, there was a knock at the door. The host got up from the circle in the living room, went through the kitchen, opened the door, and then came into the room, and with him was a person that I didn't really recognize. He wasn't really dressed like the rest of us. He had cowboy boots on, a big cowboy buckle. He had a really nice pressed uh, cotton shirt, kind of like what I'm wearing, only pinstripes. It really looked fantastic on him. His hair was cropped and tidy, whereas I was kind of grungy. So we're all of us in that room. And then he held up a badge. And he said, this is a bust. And in through the front door and other entrances to the house burst uniformed police officers. And I kind of made a move like I was going to get up off the couch. And I had a double barrel shotgun put into my face. Well, maybe it was a single barrel shotgun. But any shotgun in your face makes you lose count. <laughs> and that was real fear. Real fear. I got to tell you, um, at the time, I just forgot ab about everything else in my life. That I started a new job the next day. Completely lost the, no the notion. All I could think about was the moment and that shotgun and that police officer and what was going to happen right then and there. When you fear the Lord, the Lord gets in your face. The Lord is real to you at point blank. And that's the kind of relationship we need with God in our lives at a time like this. If we want to lose track of all those other troubles, concerns, worries. Set your eyes on the Lord. Seek the Lord. Or as the word says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear is no laughing matter. We underestimate the role of fear in everyday life. 
I said a moment ago that fear is pervasive. It is. I've made no secret over the years. I pro this is, you know, I would be embarrassed to talk about my anger problem if I was still in the throes of an anger problem. I'm, I'm much better. Do I, do I still, everybody has anger. Anger is a God-given emotion. So we all experience anger. You're not human if you don't. And we do a good job of taming it and hiding it sublimating it, all those kinds of things. Some of us lash out, we explode, and some of us suppress, and we're very controlled, and then we stab you in the back later. But anger is real. And I'm admitting it. It, got, it was such a problem for me. I grew up with an angry dad, and when dad was angry, man, I was a victim. And I didn't deserve it. And you know what? When you're angry... You think everybody deserves it. Even though I was a victim and knew I didn't deserve it, I lashed it out, I, I dished it out, didn't even think once about whether they deserved it because I was sure they deserved it. Or I wouldn't have been angry. And you know why I get angry? Fear. Fear sparks anger. Behind anger is fear. Sometimes we don't name it right. Sometimes we don't see it right, but ultimately, ultimately, it's rooted in fear. In fact, I used the word embarrassment a moment ago. We don't like embarrassment. We will hide, we will be false, we will be fake, because what we feel we must do or is the right thing to do or the true thing to do would be embarrassing. So we'll do the false thing and the untrue thing because Embarrassment is a version of fear. We're afraid to admit fear. But if you fear the Lord, other fears lose their hold on you. What does fear do? One writer answered her own question. Fear does everything except go out and buy the groceries. Fear, you see, is our most versatile motivator and influencer. But we don't admit fear. As I said, it's embarrassing. We don't speak truth to this power. But in the fear of the Lord, we do. And the Lord will shake us free. He'll drive out and dry up the fears in your life. And when one forces its way into your house and points a shotgun in your face, you'll turn to the Lord and you'll find victory over fear. Eric Metaxas wrote a piece on America about anger and fear. He wrote this... Uh, this little blurb, some are describing this as America's anger epidemic, says one New York news website, but we're not only angry, we're also afraid of one another. For four decades, reports the Associated Press, a gut-level ingredient of democracy, trust 
in the other fellow has been quietly draining away. These days, only one-third of Americans say most people can be trusted. Half felt that way in 1972. Today, a record high of nearly two-thirds of the people say you can't be too careful in dealing with others. Two-thirds. But that number's got to be too low. It's higher than that now. I truly believe this because this article I just quoted is seven years old and the research another two that's almost a decade away from us. Sounds like he's writing about us right now. Like he wrote it this last week. Because we know how real that is. What are you going to do with your fear? How is it going to serve what the Lord is asking of us as his people? To love one another, to love our enemies, to love our neighbor. And yet these statistics are saying over half. Seven years ago, when he wrote the article, researched two years, almost a decade ago, it was like that. This is our time to shine. But we'll never shine unless we fear the Lord. Only in fearing him, and you see, that's, that's a motivator because the Lord is gracious and good. He blesses. He cares for us. But we do it his way. We live his way. That's why it says in verse 1, we walk in his ways. Not the ways of the, of, of the world. We walk in his ways. But fear takes us out of the path. The fears that haunt us, that control us, the fears that Eric Metaxas is talking about in this seven-year-old piece from 2013 using research that's two years older. In other words, everybody fears everyone else. You cannot love one another. When fear reigns in our hearts, when suspicion, which is a real driving force of fear, suspicion will justify our own desires. It'll validate our ability to dismiss and turn away from others that the Lord would be leading us to pay attention to and to love as our neighbor or as our enemy. But we don't trust him. That's all right. We trust the Lord. See? See how that works? We don't trust him. That means our fears rule. Our fears say, Lord, take a hike. Maybe I'll see you on Sunday. Well, it is Sunday, and the Lord is here, and he's telling you this. Just as he's told me this week, just as it's planted right here in these Psalms. Fear is no laughing matter. Or is it? Maybe it can be. 
In Psalm 37, verses 12 through 13, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that their day is coming. Imagine your fear, my fear, and the Lord laughing at what frightens us. It's kind of a freeing thought, isn't it? Psalm 2, verses 2 and 4. When the kings of the earth, all the leaders of the countries of the world today, for example, when the kings of the earth take their stand, marshalling themselves against the Lord and against his anointed one, then the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord makes fun of them. We're told the Lord laughs at what frightens us. But we're also told the Lord will make us laugh. He will put laughter in our mouths. Psalm 126, verse 2, our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. The other nations say the Lord has done great things for them. Job 8, 21, the Lord will fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. I could go on, there are other verses. Job 5.22 is particularly instructive. At destruction and famine, you will laugh. At destruction and famine, you will laugh. It's instructive because we know what happened to Job and what a hard time he was having with it. He was really having a hard time. And Eliphaz, one of Job's friends, came and gave him this advice. He advised Job to seek the Lord with a declaration or what we could call a profession of faith. And what he describes is not seeking the Lord for answers or for relief. It's for abiding with the Lord, being present with him. And in his presence and in abiding with the Lord, we are walking in his ways, just like we're told here. Just as Amos chapter 5 verse 4 and 6 describe it, and Hosea chapter 10 verses 12 and 13, and Isaiah chapter 58 verse 2. They all tell the people to seek the Lord. Let me read just a snippet of Job 5, 20 through 23. In famine, he will deliver you from death. In battle, from the stroke of the sword, you will be protected from the lash of the tongue. And need not fear when destruction comes, you will laugh at destruction and famine and need not fear even the wild beasts. And then after Eliphaz goes on, he ends it and he says, he says, Job, really, I'm putting it in my own words now. He said, I've found this to be true. I've done this myself. 
And I, I believe you will too. Give it a try. I would say the same thing to you. If you can identify fears in your life that are controlling you, ruining your day, wiping out a future that's bright, if you've got no energy for friends, you just don't have the spunk, you're not upbeat, you're angry, if you've been lashing out, if you've been flipping off people in cars next to you, if you've been just doing a lot of reckless stuff that you know the Lord would say, now, now, you're my child. That's not the way we act. If that's true, then we need to be taking Eliphaz's advice. We need to seek the Lord. We need to be present with him. We need to abide with him and walk in his ways. That's what the Bible calls fearing the Lord. And when that comes first, everything else diminishes. And you'll find hope restored, energy renewed, love filling your heart. Do you know that love, perfect love, casts out all fear? You should read that. It starts in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and runs to verse 22. But in verse 18, he puts a big emphasis on those very words. Perfect love casts out all fear. Do you know what perfect love is? Perfect love is selfless love. What is fear? It is selfish self-centered absorption with what is important to us and not to the Lord. Perfect love. That's what the Lord is able to fill our hearts with. A fullness which is contentment and joy and peace and hope and self-control and goodness and kindness. This world needs some goodness and kindness. Do they deserve it? Absolutely not. But that's what grace is all about. Good Lord, that's why we are sitting here, is his grace. We should have a little kindness to spare. A little love to give. Instead of resting on the law to justify self-protection... Because we completely lost sight of the Lord, not only who reigns, but the Lord who saves us through grace, through sacrifice. That's the gospel. If it doesn't get you right here, you'll know fear the rest of your life. Fight fire with fire. In other words, fight fear with the fear of the Lord. We've seen a lot about backfires, how you fight fire with fire. Set a backfire, set a backfire of fear of the Lord and put him first in your life. Dedicate some time to not just zipping through the word, but reading it. Some time in prayer. Let the Lord speak to your heart. It'll do you good. I wouldn't yell at you if I didn't think it would be good for you. Sometimes it seems like I'm yelling. I'm not. Am I? I am? I am. 
That means it's important to me. I hope it is to you, like Eliphaz said to Job. I saw a movie years ago, King Arthur, played by Clive Owen. King Arthur is a Christian. He rules as a Christian. His men are not. One day, he's in the stable. They're starting to mount their horses, tie down their saddles, that kind of thing, get ready for a mission. It's uh, threatening, frightening. And uh, Lancelot enters the stable and finds King Arthur on his knees praying. And he says, why do you always talk to God and not to me? Pray to whomever you pray that we don't cross the Saxons. Arthur replies, my faith is what protects me. Why do you challenge this, Lancelot? And Lancelot replies, I don't like anything that puts a man on his knees. And King Arthur said, no man fears to kneel before the God he trusts. Without faith, without belief in something, what are we? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. Help us to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. You be our peace, Lord, in these unpeaceful times. We praise you for your Son, Jesus, and your work in our lives through your Holy Spirit. And it is in Jesus' matchless name that we pray. Amen. God bless you.